Inside the Millennial Mindset, I'm joined by my co-host as usual, Rico Flow. What's up, brother? Yo, Rico, what's going on, man? And Dustin, what's going on? How are you guys? Dude, I am super excited to have you here. I heard from Rico that you guys used to go way back, but that's not the reason why I'm excited. The reason is because we like to bring people from different kind of backgrounds with different kind of within different kind of industries, and you are one of the first that we've brought within the same industry. And uh, Rico, why did we bring him here? So one of the main reasons is, and, and, and before I actually say why we brought him here, I want to share that Dustin and I have a, a not only a, a close friendship, I think it's more of a brotherhood now that we've built. It all started from, uh, man, back when, back when I was in banking, this was eight or nine years, about eight or nine years ago yep. uh, when, I was a, when I was a banker teller and, and when I was doing the whole banking thing. Uh, I won't name big banks, but, you know, is that one of the big three? Um, and I met this guy in our uh, in our lunchroom and I would have conversations with him and I would uh, make him cringe because uh, every other word you guys know that I have the mouth of a sailor. <laughs> <laughs> so every other word, every other word was a cuss word. And I mean, I was, you know, I was young and I was, uh, uh, you know, getting started with my career and whatnot. But we developed a great friendship through this. And um, one of the beautiful things is that I remember where our friendship really flourished was when I realized and he realized that we were both believers in Christ, mm -hmm. right? We were both followers of Jesus Christ. Um, and I was beginning my journey and getting to know that. And he actually invited me over to his uh, um, Bible study, which is uh, Beer and Bible. I mm -hmm. remember that really well. And it was one of the uh, one of the coolest things ever, hanging out with a bunch of dudes, a bunch of cool experiences, and just everybody sharing um, and talking about the Bible, sharing you know, uh, life experiences and all kinds of good stuff. And we were eating a uh, great pizza and mm -hmm. having great beer. So, mm -hmm. um, our friendship is, uh, definitely developed. And one thing that I'm extremely happy about, uh, like I said, more of a brother to me over everything, but taking it back to the question that you were asking me, Rigo, uh, the main reason why I brought his name to the table and why I thought that it would be really important for us to, you know, bring him on the show and, and have him share is because he's been able to do. And I've seen this because I I used to get coached by him. Right. It used to be work coaching. And now I think our conversations are more life coaching. Right. But when I was his uh, a banker and I, I do say his banker because we were partners, um, he would coach us in a way that I've never really been uh, uh, coached. And at his current spot, at the current place where he's at, I mean, he's grown a lot in his career as well since I've known him, right? Oh, absolutely. But in his current career, or his, I'm not a current career, but in his current spot, he's been able to do something that I think is freaking amazing, man. He's been able to motivate people and, and really have them show up with a purpose every single day at work. And what I find amazing, man, is that we all know that it's difficult to be motivated ourselves, right? It's not an easy thing. But to be able to motivate somebody else and have them perform quarter after quarter after quarter at a level where they've never performed ever before. I mean, we're talking about people that have been in their industry for, what, five, six years, longer than that maybe? So upwards of 15. Upwards <laughs> of 15 years. Yeah. And being able to change, really change their mindset and the way that they view things is, man, that's what I find amazing. I think when you have a power like that and you have the ability to work with people that way, you're really onto something different. You have a, a bigger purpose in life. And we'll get into more detail onto, uh, uh, as to what I mean by that. 
But I just think that that's great. And I, I really wanted him to be here because as we know, this podcast is listened to by high producers, top performers, entrepreneurs. And I do believe that he's been able to, to make some amazing things happen in his role. So that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring him on here, man. Awesome. So Dustin, we know that, high, like Rico said, high performers do listen to this podcast and most high performers don't get there by simply uh, getting there. They always go through a series of steps. Sometimes they go through coaching, such as the stuff that you do. So I want to start off by saying, first, Dustin, what do you really do? So I am the vice president, national sales manager for East West Bank. I am uh, charge treasury management division. I'm in charge of merchant service payments. Have a small team of five, but we cover the entire United States. We have banks, 130 branches spread out all over the United States: New York, Boston, Georgia, Houston, Dallas, Seattle, and all over. Um, super saturated in Southern California and the Bay, um, but we have probably eight to ten locations in all the other cities outside of Georgia that has three. So um, I've been in treasury management and merchant services for about 11 years. Um, I was in lending, um, doing mortgage loans <clears throat> back with Wells Fargo in the subprime days. Um, I am a millennial by like a year. So I do qualify for this by like oh, a yeah, year. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, but, um, you know, I started out in the subprime industry, which like rates were ridiculous back in the subprime yeah. industry. and. I think that gave me my first exposure as to kind of selling the impossible concept. Mm. Um, when you're talking about uh, subprime loans back in 2004, 2005, we're talking rates like 13, 14% for a oh, home. Yeah. And that was average, bro. <clears throat> that was average. Yeah. And, and so, the, but these were people that, you know, had had a hard time with credit or made some bad decisions and they were really trying to get their stuff together. And so we were like consolidation loans, doing all this kind of stuff. And, it was cool to have a purpose that uh, that really kind of transcended just making money, right? Like you were helping people to reach their goals. You were helping people to reduce their payments. You were helping people to save their homes. There was so many aspects of the job that I liked. You got to help people get their first car, uh, their first credit card, reestablish their credit after a bad divorce or bankruptcy or something like that. So that was super cool. Then uh, 2008, everything kind of demolished with the housing market and with you know banks and all that kind of stuff. And so um, I was kind of still in that because the bank that I was at was still pretty, pretty conservative in the industry, even though it was a higher risk industry. Um, I then in about end of 2009 got moved out to Ventura to manage this office. And then six months into being in Ventura, I lost my job. <clears throat> and... I was essentially pink slipped, um, but I drove down to Woodland Hills to uh, the career fair that the bank was putting on for these laid off employees. And uh, I met the new, who would then be my next manager. And she was just excited to have a sales rep that lived in Ventura. I guess they hadn't had a sales rep that lived in Ventura that understood the culture, understood the people and, and hadn't had anybody that had lived in that area for I guess like 10 years. And so they wanted me to cover Ventura and Santa Barbara. And I'm, I'm like, heck yeah, I'll do that drive all day. That's mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so 
Um, so I got into that. I started really learning the industry that I'm now that I'm now been in for 11 years, and um, you know the rest has just kind of been with anything. As you start to kind of learn, you start to realize what works. You start to realize what doesn't. Um, I've definitely had the benefit of always having having managers that didn't manage me to a number. They managed me to an idea. They managed me to a concept, and they managed me to um, what I said I wanted. Um, I think that was super important for me, and that's what I try and do now. Uh, we make this not about a, a number goal. We don't make this about you know what makes the bank money. And obviously, we talk about all those things because they're concepts that come from the employee finding success and feeling that success than the revenue, and, and, and the revenue is more permanent at that point. Um, when you find someone that's chasing a paycheck, then the ebb and flow of that revenue follows that person. So if, if they're loyal to that person and for whatever reason, then that person doesn't see the value or they don't see the paycheck, then they end up going somewhere else and take that customer with you. So you know, I don't want revenue that's contingent on a person. I want, con I want revenue that's contingent on an idea and on a concept and on a, on a centric idea that says, this is how we do things here. And when you do things this way, um, it doesn't matter who you individually deal with um, because we all hold ourselves to that exact same standard. So, but yeah, I've uh, been in charge there for two years. Um, I made the move two years ago. Uh, yeah, actually two years um, in a couple of weeks. And, um, and I love it, man. It's been great to have my own team. It's been great to kind of see some of the ideas that I've been doing on a local level just as a sales rep. When I met Johnny, I was a sales rep. And like, we were just buddies and, you know, yep. we, we would just hang out, <clears throat> we would talk about life and then he would ask me questions and I would tell him about what I did. He would tell me about what he needed and I would send some ideas to him. He would send some ideas to me. And, and that's really the core of what business is all about. And at that point, that's where our friendship began. Well, that's where our working friendship began. But then, you know, then you do lunch and you start realizing, man, like we're not that different. Uh, we, yeah. we have a lot in common that I think you really get to when you start to ask questions to anybody, whether it's a friend or a customer or a coworker. Um, and we definitely really tried to take those steps, be more intentional. I think that's a huge problem with people today. They're not super intentional. Yeah. You can say what you want to do, um, but doing what you want to do is a whole different story. It takes commitment and uh, the ability to not fail, <clears throat> knowing that you will but that you're not going to stop there. So um, I think it's been, it's been great to kind of see some of the concepts that have worked locally in Ventura work, you know, transcend different uh, ethnic cultures, different, you know, cities, different states, different, you know, it's, it's not an idea that only works in Ventura and Oxnard. It's like an idea that works all over the place, which has been pretty cool. And, and I, uh, go ahead. I think that goes to show, bro, that you've been able to, start something and apply something, apply an idea that's universal. It wasn't just, I mean, this is something that was well thought out. It, it's not like you just kind of were just like, okay, well, maybe this will work. No, you, you thought about it. And if you're seeing success in different places, it means that it's something that it's, it's working, right? Now, when the last time that we worked together, brother, we, you were a sales rep. That's right. Yeah. I forget that. Yeah. And I forget that because you, you brought so much more to the table than any of the other sales reps that I had the pleasure of working with. And the reason why I say that is because 
I remember, and I'm, I hope you remember this speech too. This is when we were, we were, sales goals were removed from this, this at this point. Uh, the bank was, in a, I don't want to say struggling because the, that bank is, I don't think it'll ever really struggle. Right. But um, it was a point where we were like, okay, we don't see movement anywhere. We're not seeing referrals anywhere. We're not seeing really the reason why bankers should be here. Mm-hmm. And I remember you, you, you gave a speech to us. And man, that, that stuck with me because you were talking about how you need to understand that it's not about the paycheck, kind of what you were saying. It's more about doing what's right <coughs> for the client, what's right for the customer. And really finding ways to make their life easier, right? For business owners, obviously you were a sales rep, so you were focused on uh, selling the uh, the merchant uh, service to the client, mm-hmm. to the business owner. Um, and when we were thinking, oh, we just want referral credit because we want a bonus, you made us realize or made me realize that, wait a minute, it's not about that. Remove that, remove the money from there. Yes, it's nice to get a bonus to do your sure. job, but remove that from there. And focus on the fact that you're helping a local business owner offer a service to their customers. You're helping them make things easier for their customers. You're helping them sell another extra two or three items or two or three plates or, or, or whatever it is that they're offering at their place of business. And when you talked about that, I was like, you made me really reflect on why am I in this business? Mm-hmm. What is it about sales that I like and what makes me wake up every morning and get here? And I don't think I've shared this with you, bro, but that conversation led me to or helped me make the decision, which was to move into mortgage loans, because I was thinking, what is it about this whole waking up and showing up? (coughs) It's changing lives. It's helping people. And I think that your way when I realized that I was like, why is this man just a sales rep? <laughs> and then when I find out that you're now the national sales manager of a bank, I'm like of a, of a merchant, you know, service bank, and you're, you're, you're doing this on a national scale. I'm like, well, In very well deserved. <laughs> yeah. And quite frankly, I'm not surprised. And I know that this is just a stepping stone for the next part of your career um, because of the what you've shown me in so little time. And I think it's not, I think it gets to a point where it's like, you're no longer telling people what to do. You're basically asking them, what do you want out of life? Is this even for you? The misconception is that people are motivated by money. And I I don't believe that. I don't Mm. believe that people are motivated by money. They're motivated by what's behind the money. Like money provides something. Now, I I would say that there are people that chase money, but those people hate their life. They hate their career. They, They hate what they do because it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can never have enough money when your focus is money. When your focus is that concept, that's a never ending loop. It's like yeah. I, I when I think about someone chasing after money, I think of the infinity, the, the infinity symbol. It's like it's an it's an ongoing chase. Never ends. You'll never have enough because as you make more, you spend more yeah. and you need more. Then you this, then you, you're constantly upgrading your home, you're upgrading your car, you're upgrading your stereo, you're upgrading this, you get the new phone, this, that, and the other. And people just aren't content with, um, uh, to me, they're not content enough with what they already have in their life, right? And if you focus on what money provides, right, then, then that's a game changer in itself. And that yeah. doesn't matter if you're working at McDonald's or if you're the CEO of a big three bank. 
right? The, the biggest thing that someone can do is not chase money. They can, they can chase people. They can chase um, doing right by their community. They can chase, um, you know, for me, it's, it's, I think inadvertently because, you know, I came to faith in the middle of my career, um, going to church my entire life. So I kind of have the, the whole concept of if I do good and I treat people well, then like I'll be good enough and like God will love me. And so I never really had this bad relationship with people in business. Um, but when I really came into my faith back in 2014, it completely shifted on a dime because none of that mattered. Like I was in, I like Jesus loves me. Doesn't matter how horrible of a person as a horrible person that I am. So that burden that I carried for a long time was completely removed from the table. And I said, okay, well, now that I know that fact, what's left, what do I do? And so the only choice for me was to love people in every way that I can. And, and there is a passage in the Bible that says, whatever you do, do it as though you're doing it for the Lord. Right. And, and that became everything to me. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to parent like Jesus is right here. I'm going to, I'm going to sell like Jesus is right here. I'm going to love my wife like Jesus is right here, like, because he is. And, and I missed that for majority of my career. And what's crazy was I had a ton of success in my career, mm. but I gave it all to myself. Like I was totally responsible for all of that. My promotions, my moves, the bonuses, all the things, I gave it all to me. And, and when I relinquished all of that and, and, and just started realizing that, look, I'm doing, this for, I'm doing this for my company and I'm doing this for the people that my company serves. It's a game changer. Yeah. Then, then everything's enough. Like you, you just have so much peace in what you do and everything is so much better and relationships are better. And you, you, when you talk to somebody, you don't have to worry about that conversation coming back to haunt you later because you oversold something that they didn't need, right? The best thing that you could ever do in sales is not sell a thing. The best thing that you can do in sales is ask enough questions so they'll tell you what they need. Right. Because when they tell you what they need, they can never take it back. Of course. You found out the need and you fill that need and, and that creates value and happiness and a long-term customer. I mean, I was, I mean, I grew up with a dad as a salesperson. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is a concept that has reigned true. And my dad's been working on a car dealership for 40 years, 30 years. Is he still working? Still working. What? And, and let me just tell you how difficult it is to last beyond five years at a car dealership at the same car dealership, let alone 35 plus. Right. right so he's been at the same spot. Yeah. He took a reprieve for one year to go try another dealership for a better offer. But again, it's not about money. Right. Yeah. And he proved it in that because it was more money, but it was way more demand, way more of this. And it wasn't worth it. And he had value in the people that he worked with and for the company that he worked with. And as quick as he left, he was right back where he was. Yeah. I do, I do have a question in regards uh, just to kind of to pick your perspective on this because it, it, it's, it's something that kind of just popped in my mind right now. You did mention the concept of money and what that meant to you and how that isn't necessarily one of your main motivating factors. But uh, this, uh, you know, this podcast is called Inside the Millennial Mindset. And we do have millennials from the we've interviewed from the very, you know, uh, youngest millennials to some of the older millennials <clears throat> at it, within that range. And high performers and hustlers are very motivated by money. And you can tell because whenever, you know, we look at me and friends, me and Rico are friends with a lot of them. You are probably friends with a lot of them as well, who are very 
take a lot of pride in the money that they make in the possessions that they have where they'll take um um let's say a picture of their ride they'll th of their whip or they'll take a picture of their luxury watch that sure. i mean the philippe pantec maybe fifteen twenty thousand sure. dollars and they find a lot of uh passion and pride in it and to them some will even go as far to say you know money is my god and they'll put it on their social media so from your perspective you said that that's not necessarily um i guess the correct motivating factor there's a lot of underlying tones or not underlying tones underlying motivating factors that they associate with money what do you think that looks like what, what do you think is going on in their heads or how would you break that down because you kind of got me it's, it's a thought that always goes in my head you know money is a motivating factor and money is something that's going to help me i guess reach the next level but there's always a lot of other factors that are underneath the money that are really the reason right. why I'm doing it. Um, if you if you think about money, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. it, it allows you to do. It allows you to influence. It allow. I mean, and and what you're talking about is it fills a need. It fills a void. It the the problem is is when it becomes the end all be all, right? Those are people that you know they're they're happy. But I think you could find plenty of statistics online that would say that those people really aren't that happy. They, they've got the dopest ride in all, I mean, in, in all the nation, but it's just not enough. And that kind of, kind of goes back to what I was saying about like, at the end of the day, it's never enough. You always have to upgrade. You always have to this. You always have to that. Like, it's like, oh, I got this. Now, now well, now I got to get this. Money is important. And, and I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm like, oh, I don't care. Like I chased a big salary when I left the job because it means a lot. I get it. But, but I didn't chase the money for the check. I chased the money for what it allowed my family to do. It allowed, it, and, and the piece because I was in a aggressive, hardcore company with high sales goals and I met them, but it was stressful. Mm -hmm. And it was because it's never enough and because you're constantly keeping up with the dude that's posting on social media. And that's, I mean, you could have a podcast on the dangers of social media. You mm -hmm. could have that all day because there's a lot of false representation and there's a lot of stuff where, you know, these people are so excited and money is their God, but they're so, they're so sad. They're so not happy, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I'm not saying that I like to do a lot of things for happiness, but the one thing that I learned is money is so temporary and, it goes just as quick as it comes. And, you know, I, I tell my staff all the time, if you win a deal on money, you'll lose a deal on money. So never make it about the money. Make it about the value that you provide. And that's when you, when you do something with somebody, you have to, you should always think about what value am I providing to this person, right? Because otherwise, what's the purpose of doing it? Otherwise, you're really just living everything for you. And that works for people. I just not how I want to do things. So I, I know that, you know, and, and I've been this for a long time, but I, it's really become full, full center now. I was put on this earth to love God and love people. And I, I want to do that with everything that I can. And that means at work, I want to find out how I can, mill, how I can blend business with, with church. Um, because I don't think they're that different. Uh, evangelism, people usually kind of talk about that as like a religious term. The evangelism is just talking about something in a positive way. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're selling, you're an evangelist. Facts. And so I, I want to make sure that people know that why do I do what I do? Because Jesus changed my life and he yeah. gives me a reason and he gives me a purpose and it's not money. But through me following that, I know he provides more than I could ever 
kind of come up with on my own. Could I could I spend more money than I make? Heck yeah, dude. I mean, there's some cool stuff out there. There's a lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like way into Apple products. And so, you know, I had to learn how to budget. I had to learn to do because when I was 24, I was stupid and I bought whatever. I mean, same. Uh, man, when I went to college, I had a bunch of money from graduation and I spent it all on, this will date me, but I spent it all on CDs and DVDs. Like I had the dopest collection of CDs and DVDs. And I, like, I was so difficult to get rid of that because I looked at that as money. Uh-huh. And wow. I looked at the value of the money that I wasted of, of well, I, I spent all my money on that. Like mm -hmm. that's my only representation of the money that I have. Now I can walk around town and I can be like, I walked that dude through a divorce or I walked that guy through a hard time with his stepkid or I walked with that dude through this out and the other or I, I've seen this dude over here come through like, I mean, I love you, but like punk dude in his 20s, like not a care in the world. Like I remember that conversation when we were in there and the, his main concern was Coachella. Oh, like, honestly, main, I, I believe you. I believe concern. you. Like he was stressing. <laughs> he was stressing hardcore about, I don't know, I'm going to get Coachella. Like, where am I going to stay? And I'm just like, whoa, I wish life was that simple. Like, but because that's not that simple. Like, yeah. it's so like fixated on one point. And, and what I've seen this dude come with this appreciation for life because he knows Jesus and it's changed his life. And I can see that without him having to say a thing because. He's different, right? And it's different in a way that I get because I feel different. And it's different in a way that other people that I know that like, they're not religious. Like that's such a weird word to me. Like when people say, oh, I'm religious. I go to church. I'm all sweet. Do you know Jesus? So like, if you know Jesus, like let, let's rock and roll. And if you don't, like let's rock and roll anyways, because you got to know, like it's just changed my life so much all the way down to business, all the way down to my family. Like there is not a single aspect of my life that hasn't flipped on a dime since January 31st, 2014. I think that's, that's uh, beautiful that you mentioned that, bro, because I can too say that my perspective changes, right? Yeah. We start seeing things in a different way, obviously, when you, know, you become a believer, not only a believer, but when you walk, when you uh, walk with Jesus Christ. Now, before we jump into that, because I think that's a really great topic, bro, and I, that's something that I do want to talk about because I know that you're going through something very special. Yeah. And shoot, I told you, like, I'm excited to say that my friend is, uh, I'm not going to tell you guys <laughs> yet, but I'm excited for you, bro. And I'm, I'm uh, extremely excited uh, for you because I know that it's a big step and I know that it's something important to you and it's something important to me as well. It's special. Sweet. Uh, we share the, we share the emotion, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, I want to go back and talk a little bit more. And uh, kind of share my two cents on what you were saying that it's not about the money. Um, when I move into the mortgage industry, I realize that it's not about the money. Mm -hmm. You make money, you spend money, money comes and goes. Again, I agree with you 100%, bro. It's, it's about what you can do with this money, what this money allows you to do. Now, I don't know if you remember last week's conversation, Rigo. Uh, Frank said this. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What I'm starting to realize more and more is that the older generation that's already had their funds spending the money mm -hmm. that's already gone through that. And that has a little bit of maturity in them. They already fucked up. They already went through it. Right. Mm -hmm. They understand that it's not about the check facts. It's not about how big your car is, how big your house is, how, what stereo you have in your car, what you're wearing. 
I mean, before I used to care more, right? Sure. I'm not saying that I, I, there's still so much that I need to mature, you know, areas in my life that I, that I need to mature in. But, Everybody does, man. Right. That's like that. I think that's the other problem is to people get too hard on themselves too. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're, you're always a work in progress. Correct. You're never completely done. Right. Um, people let go of the idea that they think they're supposed to be at a certain place or you're supposed to get all cleaned up to get to here. Nah, man, you start where you're at. Yeah. And, and you, you go from there. But some people aren't willing to change that. Yeah. And I'm realizing that the people that aren't willing to change that are the ones that don't, you know, don't really ever understand or, or get a grasp of what happiness truly is. Mm-hmm. And I think that to me now happiness is that my bills are paid. There's money in the bank. I don't have mm-hmm. to worry about it. You know what I mean? And I'm doing something that moves me, something that wakes me up every freaking morning. And let's be honest, to be in the industry that I'm in, to be in the industry that you're in, Dustin, to be in industry, the industry that you're in, Rio, I mean, these are not, we're not talking about low stress industry, no. man. No. We're talking, we're talking because we're all in sales. Realistically speaking, we <laughs> yep. are all in sales, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about this is a demanding career, the career mm-hmm. paths that we've all chosen, right? They're demanding careers. So. I think it's coming to the realization that, again, it's not about the check. It's about what am I truly doing in my community? Who am I helping? It's like what you're saying, bro. Like now you, you look at people. Your investments are in people, right? They're you living, at, breathing, walking around. Exactly. Yeah. Now your investments in, which now takes me to the part, the fun part for me, right? <laughs> I think it's amazing, bro. And, and I think it's crazy. I think it's insane that not only are you making moving mountains to me, you're moving mountains and, and before, hold on. I, I need to, I need to, I need to bring this back real quick. You're moving mountains in your bank, bro. You're having these people produce at levels that they've never produced before. Just, just give me the 60 second version of how are you doing this? How are you motivating people? And let's be clear here. I want to be hundred percent clear here. It's not like you're giving these guys bonuses. It's not like you're giving these guys you know, reasons more than, than, than what they already have. It's what are you doing different that other management people didn't do previously? What are you doing different that other business owners haven't been able to do? What are you doing different, bro? Because that's insane. So my dad taught me young to ask questions and, and, and learn. And, and then when someone gives a concern or gets something, gives someone gives something like your priority is to fix the problems and enhance the things that are working well. Right. So, uh, when I, the first day on the job, I'm like brand new manager and I'm like, tell me what's working. Like, what do you guys like? Cause I don't want to take any of that away. Right. Like, unless you guys have horrible, bad behaviors and that's enjoyable to you. But you know, <clears throat> at the end of the day, what works for you? Because I want to make that, I want to make that enhanced. So like, if you have this idea and, and I can make it a little bit better, I'm going to tweak it. But if you have a process that's not working for you, but you're just doing it because that's the way you've always done it. I hate that phrase. Like that's the way we've always done it. It's the stupidest phrase ever. If it doesn't work, stop doing it. Yeah. Just change. And, and that's a hard thing to do, but it's also super easy. Um, you just got to not be super stubborn. Uh, but I, I, I listened to them and I told them, look, I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to put the rest in a file and I'm going to work on it and we're going to keep working on it and I'm not going to stop until we get this to where it's not going to be perfect and I'm going to fail a lot, you know, and, but, but I love my team. 
Like, and, and I think they know that and that's key. Uh, they know that I, I care about them as individuals for their career, but I really care about them as people. Um, I know about their families. I know about their kids. Like I know like when they have a sick, sick kid or when they, you know, something's going on in their life, like that's more important. So let's deal with that first, right? If, if you got to take your kid to the dentist, like we'll handle it. Don't worry about it. Do what you got to do. And I, in certain industries, like that's not super easy to do, but it's always easy to care about people and, and to have empathy. And, and I think that's the best thing that I've learned over my career is I've always had managers that were empathetic. I've always had managers that I believe cared about me um, and were never really in it to try and bolster their paycheck aside from my paycheck getting bigger and me having uh, career satisfaction. Like they were going to be satisfied if I was satisfied. And, and I think my, my team knows that too. Like I want to win and, and, Man, we've been winning, but like still not to the way that I would want to win. But I'm like, I'm so super stoked with the wins right now. So I'm taking it. But they know, they know what I want. I mean, and so they know that like, this is great. Let's celebrate this. We've, we've conquered some stuff that we've never done as a bank before. Um, get people participating when they didn't even know that this product existed with our bank. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, in, in one three month span, we closed three quarters of the business we did in all of 2019. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was huge for, it's kind of like a proof of concept come to life for me where I was like, I think this will work. And then you come to the end of the, the campaign that we ran that and I'm circle, like, right? dang it, it did. Yeah. And it worked better than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. But I always knew it was not me. They did it. Like I just was there step in step with them. What do you need? What can I do? I was on calls with them with, you know, because there's difficult customers, difficult situations. And because I've had industry experience and I guess you could say I'm not really afraid. I've been told no so many times that nothing's new to me. So like, whatever. And they would call me super stressed out like, oh, this person, da, 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 da. I'm like, let's just call them. And they're like, you mean like right now? And I'm like, yeah, let's just get them on the phone. And we'd call and it'd be a super chill conversation because I would not lose my cool and and I would be, and I, which is crazy because I have a tendency to lose my cool sometimes, but yeah. like it was super chill and they would learn. And then I would be on a call again with them later and they would literally use those things going forward and I would just see it change. Um, and so you start piling those experiences on and, and my team, man, they work hard because they have pride of ownership. Like they're proud of their bank. They're proud of, you know, what they want to be a representative of their family well for their, for their employer. I mean, those are all things that are important to them. And that's what makes it work without an extra bonus, without an extra this, without an extra that. That's what I found most amazing over everything. And I think you, you just, to my business owners that are listening, I think you just got, you just gave them a golden nugget, bro. Um, and one that I think they need to really, if you didn't listen to it, you need to rewind this like by five minutes and, and hear him say what he just said, because at the end of the day, all that really matters is that you care and that your employees know that you care, understand that you care and you get to know them, right? Um, you go the extra mile um, as a manager or as an owner, whatever you want to call it, whatever position you're holding, but really going the next, the extra mile in order to understand what's important to them, mm-hmm. what it means to get a check to them. What- like you said earlier, the, we're, we're in sales, there's a level of stress, yeah. right? And it's where on that stress dial do you turn it up? Because if you turn it up too high, you get burnout. Yep. If you don't turn it up enough, 
then they're just happy getting a paycheck. Complacency kicks in. Yeah, right. And, and so it's like you ha- you're constantly like first couple weeks, I boom, I put it on 10. And I was like, whoa, can't do that. But then I went down to two and I'm like, oh, can't do that. And I think we're probably like a six or seven right now. But they know that I'm like always kind of like tweaking it a little bit. I'm always yeah. going back towards that 10. And they're like, do we get it? Cool it. Like, just give us some time. And you got to hear that. Yeah. Right. You got to like, okay, all right. But just know I'm going to go up again soon. So right. take your breath, you know, collect yourself. But we're on a mission and we're going to get there. Right. But, and I'll turn that dial slower next time. But, you know, it's. We're going to get there. It's like, I think yeah. setting that expectation, um, but also understanding that it takes time. Right. And, and man, that's, that's something that, again, you guys need to listen to. I'm speaking to you guys, the listeners. You're listening to us in your ear, in your car, whatever it is. You got to listen to that because that's really, I think, what has made you, um, dude, you became a superstar at that bank. Whatever. You seriously became a superstar. I think I read something. I, th- I was looking you up because I was like, oh, I need to find some, some, some on this guy real quick. I know you as a friend. I know you as a brother. I know you as, but I wanted to see what the rest of the world had to say, right? And I think I read something on, uh, I don't know if it was a bank article or something like that, or there's something on you uh, when you took position or something like that. There was something. I don't know if it was yeah. a newspaper or something like that, whatever it was. but Probably a bank article, I think. I think so. And, and when I saw that, I was like, okay, cool. You know, he's, he's, um, I guess you can say he's like the new kid on the block, but to know that you're making such big, uh, uh, you're having so such big accomplishment right. with your ideas, with your way of doing things is uh, something that, man, I'm proud of you for. Thanks, man. And I think that's, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see where your career is going to go in the next few years, man, because this is just the beginning, literally just the beginning. Oh, yeah. And this also goes to show, guys, that, it, that things don't happen overnight. No. And it's not going to happen. It took you, what, two years, you said? Uh, t- two years to flip this division, yeah, yeah, into what we're doing today. But, dude, it's taken 16 years. I, yeah. I can't do what I did without all of the struggle and the learning and all of that that I did from day one all the way on up. I mean, I started managing offices with Wells Fargo in 2015. Yeah. And I, you know, I had had to fail a lot. <clears throat> I mean, I failed a lot and yeah. I pissed with, I'd piss customers off and it was totally unintentional. I just didn't know what I was doing or wasn't right. paying attention to what I was saying, or I was chasing a paycheck at that time. And so I was like, didn't want to lose this sale because like, that's my rent or whatever, or that's this trip I want to go on. And so you're not doing anything wrong, but you're not giving the customer what they deserve. Right. You know, cause I, I never bought into the, you know, do whatever you got to do to make a sale. Like that was never my deal, but I know that there's a way to treat a person and, and, and that's like their family, you yeah. know, that's why they're friends. And I definitely would, would skip that portion, not ask them about their kids softball game on the weekend or whatever. Because it was Friday and I was burnt out. And those are times that I regret. Like, I wish I, wish I would always do that. Because, you know, these are not one-time relationships. I mean, like I was saying about my dad earlier. I mean, he has sold a car to a family where he sold it to the great-grandparent, the grandparent, the father, and now the son. Yeah. And that only happens when you create an experience. It's not about buying a car at that point. They know... When we go to this dude, we don't have to do all the crap, right? We just go. We know we're going to get taken care of. And at that point, price doesn't, 
price matters, but it doesn't matter because, and I know I told you this before, but price only matters in the absence of value. The only time that price matters is when someone has to question why they paid what they paid. But when you, when you get good service, no one goes out of Nordstrom's and complains about the money they spend because they love the service they got. And guess what? People complain about the amount of, amount of money they spend at Walmart. I don't know why. It's cheap as heck. I love shopping at Walmart. But people still complain. Like, I can't believe I spent this much money. I'm like, I complain about Target. Where's yeah. the value? You didn't get value. You just got stuff. Right? That's true. Which goes back to everything. Like, stuff doesn't fix anything. It's the service and the value and the concept and the relationship, you know? Like, this dude that's selling you shoes at Nordstrom's, like, you might think he wants to come to your kid's birthday party because he does such a good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? they, they greet me by name there and whatnot. Seriously. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't shop there. I know that's what you do, but. No. Used to, <laughs> used to shop av- avidly there, but no. Yeah. Not, as, uh, not as often anymore. Yeah, yeah. This leads us into the next thing that we want to talk about, bro, because, wow, you're a family man. Yep. You are a manager, a national sales manager for a, a team, mm-hmm. making moving mountains, like I was saying earlier. But, bro, the thing that I was excited about to, uh, for you to share, you're also pursuing your pastor license bro pastor certificate yeah yeah or mm-hmm. your certificate right yeah, pastoral Certi- certificate there you go mm-hmm. and how do dude how do you do so much um well so i think when when 2014 happened a lot was going on i had just gone through a divorce um i you know like my career was kind of like in the toilet at that point i mean everything was kind of falling apart kids were 18 months and two and a half and a stepdaughter and all this kind of stuff. And so I didn't really know like what was where, right? So you're, you're just trying to get through every day and, and you're, I I don't really get it. I don't really know. Um, but I started going to, I started going with my girlfriend at the time and, uh, I'd met her after my divorce. And, and so we dated for, did for a while, but, um, her requirement to date her was that I went to church. And I, and I, thought, I always thought that's funny because I went to church my entire life. I mean, I went to church every Sunday, but I never, um, I never really went to church and I never really became the church. And I think that's the problem. And it's, I find it so crazy, especially in the time that we're in right now with the pandemic, like people are losing their mind because they can't go to their church. And I'm all, I get it. Like I, but that's really just your community right? You are the church. Like you're supposed to go out and love people. And whether you got to wear a mask or wear a full hazmat suit, like you can go out and love people apart from Sunday. I mean, we're supposed to. So like you could do that. You don't need the church building open to do that. Um, so anyways, started going back to church with my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, I just felt really connected there and it definitely stuff was kind of coming out that, I really, I knew I hadn't really dealt with in my adult life. Um, and I started forming my relationship with Jesus and really stuff changed. Like work was different. My relationship with my girlfriend who quickly became my fiance, it, it was different. Like we were, it was a different way of dating than I ever dated before. It was a different, I was parenting different, even though they were little, like I, I felt like I was parenting different. And I was still making similar mistakes that I was before, but it just... I felt different. Um, 
So uh, I have a really good buddy that has walked with me through all of this. Um, and I mean, like I met, he used to own a pub out in Santa Paula and I, I, I met him before I started going to church. And, you know, he was, he walked with me through my divorce. He walked with me through so many aspects of life and, and he was always there. And I walked up to church and he was there. And so he was the men's pastor, the church that I go to. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of get got this nudge that I should start a group. But I, I always knew Bible groups to be like, you know, I always in my brain, I would, would associate that with like old dudes, you know, Sunday mornings at nine o'clock with stale coffee and old donuts. And, and I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. Like, that's just not my thing. I thought about it. You know? Yeah. And I remember the first time I told you I started this group, I were, you were kind of like, nah. Like, nah, I don't want to coffee and you old You were donuts. looking at me like, bro, you're too young to be doing that. And yeah. I was like, no, let me tell you. And so I just got this, I got this vibe one day and I know it was from, I know it was from God. I, I just, I know for a fact because, because it sounded crazy, right? And it was something that just doesn't make any sense. And it was like, go meet at a pizza joint. Well, it started in my backyard mm-hmm. around a fire pit. And I just told dudes, bring, bring a beer and let's chat and let's read the Bible and let's get to know each other and build community. Yeah. I thought that that was because I was part of this, <laughs> part of this group. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, man. It was like, hold on. So you're telling me that I can hang out with my buddies. Yeah. Right. Eat pizza and drink some good beer. And this is cool. Like we're, we're, we're talking about Jesus. And I think that's what... Um, I, initially, I think I was motivated by the concept, sure, and then easily understood that no, this is this is what it is. I mean, we're yeah. all doing something that we like, we're all doing something that we enjoy, and we're also sharing the word. And I thought I thought that was cool, man. That's the key difference. You know, a lot of people would hear that and they're like, "Well, you're just getting drunk around a fire." And I'm all, "No, man. I mean, at most, people I think we all had like one beer, two one beers, or two at beers the most. max. Yeah. Well, but you really couldn't." Because the conversation was just gnarly. Oh, dude, I mean, yeah. it was, you were talking, you were, you were hearing about dudes that just struggled in their marriage. You were hearing about dudes yeah. that were struggling with their girlfriends, that dudes that were struggling because they had a kid early and they weren't married. I mean, just anything and everything was shared around that fire. And that's, to me, that's what Jesus did. Yeah. He stepped in to every situation and, and he, he didn't lose his mind. He didn't freak out. He just had a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure the Bible backs up the fact sometimes they had some wine. Of course. Right? And yeah. so, I, I, you know, this was, I think I had one conversation with somebody over six years where I said, hey, like, and this guy had a problem too. So this was something that nobody knew. And, you know, if I would have known, I could have helped him and walked through that. And, and we ended up doing that. But it was like, it kind of came out the wrong way. But these are all these things that, you know, I, I think people in general, but especially dudes, like I think women are pretty good at relationships. I mean, you'll hear about girls that go out with their girlfriends way more than you hear about dudes doing life together. Dudes yeah. will get together, have a beer and like they'll talk about work and they'll talk about sports and they'll da 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 And that's cool. Like that's what we do. But rarely do you have dudes shoulder to shoulder going through life. And, and that's what we're supposed to do. Like we do better when we have somebody walking through this stuff with us. Cause nobody wants to be alone, man. Like that sucks. I've gone through stuff before in my life alone and it's the worst feeling ever. But when you have somebody in your life and, and, 
And it doesn't have to be a spouse. It doesn't have to be a girlfriend. It's just a good person, right? That's walking yeah. step by step with you. And they're like, I see you, I know you, and, I, and I'm here. And whether you share every word with me or you just need me to sit here in silence, I'm here. And you know, I've been blessed to have people like that in my life. And, and because of that, I know that it's my job to also be that person. And, and that should perpetuate, right? Like people should feel that and share that. There's a verse in second Corinthians that talks about, we go through what we go through so that we can witness and share our experiences with the people that are in our life. So like, I know that I went through a divorce and I went through all these things and I have kids and I'm a dad to all girls and like all these things. And I'm like, this is nuts, but there's plenty of dudes like me. And they all need to know that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And they all need to know that there's a good way to do this. And there's a way that you can honor your new wife. There's a, new, there's a way that you can honor your kids and you can teach them the way to not do the mistakes that you made, right? And, and how to look and treat other people. And, and in this day and age where we have so much hate and so much division and, and so much just struggle for identity out there, man. The best thing you can do for your kids, the best thing you can do for your family is love each other well and then go out and love other people at your, at your office and, and love each other well at the grocery store. You know, like just do a better job of loving people and we need to stop being concerned with ourselves. And, yeah. I, and I say that because I believe that, but I don't say that because I'm perfect at it. You know, like I still, I'm like, get super annoyed with slow drivers and I get super annoyed with like, you know, people that like get all masked crazy, all masked crazy. Like, and I'm just, but I know that that's just my own issues that I got to figure out, right. you know, and that's where that person is in that space. And I, and I got to step into that space so I can understand just like in sales, I got to step into that space and understand them because you'll never convince somebody of your point if you're a jerk and, and yeah. you'll never sell them of something if you sell them on it. Yeah. You know, so, but <clears throat> yeah, I so what you started there. the group and, um, man, it, it really kind of changed everything. It was great. I saw a lot of dudes that were coming to everything. And then, um, the guy that was the men's pastor, he ended up leaving the church and going to a different church and, yeah. and there was no like men's pastor. And so I kind of got volunteered to initially to kind of help run a couple of men's programs. And then that kind of snowballed and continued to snowball. And then I stepped in and I did uh, youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, that snowballed. And so I've been with the high school boys that I have now since they were in eighth and ninth grade. And wow. now they're, uh, just now seniors and recently graduated. So freshmen in college and, uh, seniors in high school now. So I've walked through life with these guys for four or five years. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm getting them ready because not that their dads aren't awesome dads, but parents are parents are parents, Yeah, you know? And you know, that's why organizations like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, that's why those organizations, YMCA, Boys and Girls Club, that's why they're so great because those are adults that care about people and they care about kids and they help them to accomplish and be something that they couldn't do just with their parents, right? That, that old saying that it takes a village to raise a child, it's true, man. Like, I feel like I'm a pretty, pretty good dad, but I wouldn't be the dad that I am if it wasn't for my friends and their wives and just people that are constantly pouring into my kids. Yeah. You know, I mean, my wife, my, my, my older stepdaughters, like just they, they, my kids get the ability to be 
viewed by an entire community and they respond to that and, and people love it. And they're like, oh, they're so great. And I'm like, well, they're pretty cool, but like, they're great because you're great. Like you've poured into them and you've given them something that they can then return to the world. Right. And that's, so a year and a half ago, as I was starting my new, my new bank, um, I was asked by my pastor if I wanted to go through credential licensing and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, sure, why not? Like I read the Bible I enjoy it and I study it. And it's really like, I swore after I graduated college, I swore I was never going to do any schooling ever again. Like I loathe school. I, I don't like it at all. And so like my daughter's like, I don't know what school, I don't like school. I'm like, I can't be like the dad. I have to be the dad and be like, well, you got to figure it out. Da, da, da. But like secretly in my brain, I'm all, I totally get it. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> but I can't say that. But um, man, when it came to the Bible though, like I was like, yeah, like I want to go to school for that. That's sweet. So I was like registered to sign up and go to Pepperdine to get my master's because I thought I needed that to get a better, like higher paying manager type job. And then God just drops this in my lap. And then all of a sudden I dropped the master's pursuit and started doing licensing for ministry. So yeah, I've been uh, about four classes in and I think I've got 14 total. But after three years, then I'll have the ability to take the licensing exam. And then at that point, then. Nice, man. I think that's. Then I'll be official. Yeah, I think that's. um, that's impressive, man. And, and I didn't know that you were with these kids for so long. And I think it just goes to show that when we're put on this earth to do what we're put on this earth to do, we do it impeccably, right? I'm not saying that we're perfect at it. Right. I'm not saying that we're the best at it, but we do it great, right? And what I mean by this is, look, you have a managerial position at work. And if we really saw it, now I understand what you meant. Before we recorded the podcast, you, you mentioned that, well, church and business are not that different. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. And I'm, if and I'm church is done right, right and business is done right, then they're really close. Because, you know. You're right, though. You do right by your client. Do right by, by your, your humans. Yeah. Love your clients because they're the ones that help you. You know what I mean? Right. Love your people. It's, it's, uh, I like that, but what I meant where I was going with this, bro, is that, that you've been able to lead a group of adults, right, it, at work, but then you're also leading these young men and, and mm-hmm. helping them get into becoming adults, Yep. right? And I think that's, um, that's cool, man. It just goes to show that you are doing what you were put on this earth to do. Yeah, I think that is something that everybody needs to realize. Like, if you're breathing, man, you got a purpose. And, and if you are alive right now and you're listening to this, like you got to know, like, and it's so cliche sounding, but it is so true. Like Jesus has a purpose for your life. Yeah. And like, and, and that alone, that, that can strike a controversy, like, but it doesn't matter. Like, doesn't matter what you think. It, the purpose is there. And it's whether you decide to just accept that or not. And, and, and that might mean that you're working at a gas station. That might mean you're working at Walmart. That might, I mean, that might mean you're the CEO of a company. Like it doesn't matter. It's God puts you where you're supposed to be. And it's like, you get the opportunity to be around people. And, and if you do it right, lives change. Yeah. And if you don't, 
then you'll keep getting put in situations until lives change. And that's the thing. Like, God doesn't make mistakes. So, you know, if you realize that you're part of the plan and realize, like, that's pretty cool. Like, when God thought of everything, when we look at the expanse of the universe, right, and we think of how complicated everything is, and then he thought to make us individually as who we are, bro, that blows my mind every night before I go to sleep. I like, can't look up at the sky and see the moon and see the stars and think, he still thought to make me. And that was, that was to me, that's bigger than I am. Yeah. And yet he thought to make me. So who am I to not at least try my hardest to find out what my purpose is and live for it? Right. Wow. So Dustin, um, I love talking to high performers. I, and one of the main reasons is because every time you talk to a high performer, you start seeing little tiny bits and pieces of what makes them the person that they are. And one of the things that I've noticed about you, or the, it's very evident, you know, now that we're at the end of this episode, is that you're a man guided by ideas and concepts. Mm-hmm. When you were in the start of your career, you were guided by your managers, by your leadership into ideas and mm-hmm. concepts. And then you yourself started kind of, I, I, um, what's the right word for it? Kind of following that same path. You said, I started to love the church, and then I started to be the church. You, talk, you talked about relationship, the ideas of what relationships really are, the idea of beers and Bible, and then, of course, now you're going to be a future pastor. So it's, um, it's, it's very beautiful seeing the transition of where your life became, but not just that, of how you became a high performer in a lot of different industries and now kind of becoming the high performer that you are now and who, are you, who you are going to become in the future. And not only that, but the impact that you're going to have because of your you know, chosen I wouldn't even call it career path, but, but your decisions. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we are a, we are a sum of the things that are put in front of us, of the circumstances in our life and our reactions to those circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you had said something earlier, the biggest difference where someone, uh, I'd say the line that people draw is, do you chase happiness, which is circumstantial, mm-hmm. or do you chase joy, right? Mm-hmm. Joy changes, not, joy, joy doesn't change. Right. Joy is built on a concept of, you know, who you are, you know, why you're here and that's enough. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Happiness is where kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about the dudes that are like are posting, you know, their new whip and posting, you know, their new watch and yeah. all this stuff like they're happy. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and I'll tell you what, bro, like when I get a new set of clothes, like I'm happy. Yeah. But those things don't produce joy. Mm-hmm. They can't because joy is not based on circumstances around you. And, and it'll never be based on circumstances around you because those things can always be taken away, which is why you get sad. It's why you, you know, have a bad day because the way that you understand life to be didn't happen that way that day. But the way that you understand life in its entirety, that's joy, right? Like you just know that, man, there's so much that I don't understand and that's okay. I don't have to because I didn't create all this. I just need to do my part. And there's so much peace in knowing that you're not responsible for other people. You're responsible to love them, but you're not responsible for how they react or what goes on or when the next earthquake's gonna be. Like, that's not up to you. And there's such a freeing thing when you know that and, and you get to just take a deep breath and you can just realize, and there's stuff that makes me anxious. But I think there's always things that are there, but it's where are you placing that? Because in those moments, I'm focusing on my happiness and I'm not focusing on the joy that I already know. 
And I think that's why people get anxious and they get bummed out. And I get all these things because they're natural, they're normal. Like those aren't bad things to do, but it's just like, which way are you focusing in that point in time? Wow. <clears throat> wow, man. I think you dropped so many facts in this uh, podcast. A lot of stuff that a lot of us that listen, because I'm also a listener of my own podcast. Uh, I think you left me thinking, you know, there's a lot of things that I think I've already changed in my personal life and my career, but I think you dropped a lot of golden nuggets for a lot of people and a lot of our listeners. And uh, just a reminder, I'm really glad this episode was right after the one that, that we had previous week. It just reiterates that way of thinking. Yeah. With that well, being I'm said, grateful for you guys having me here. It was, it was fun. Of course, man. No, appreciate you coming, bro. And I know that we'd been meaning to get you on here for a while. Yeah. Now, but so glad that you came in. And I think, uh, I think you came in at the perfect time, bro. Because yeah. that, that again, our previous podcast, very similar. Um, the concepts, the ideas, the 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 way of thinking, not the same, but there's similarities. And mm -hmm. this is really cool, bro. Really cool, brother. This is a moment where on the podcast where we allow you to, if people want to reach out, if they want to like gotta get to know you more, get ask questions, where can we find you, bro? Um, so Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn. Um, I do a lot of like advising and coaching on LinkedIn because I've been in the industry for a while. So I usually get hit up on there for like questions about the industry, stuff like that. So that's cool. Um, you know, I... I spend a lot of time on social media trying to share truth. I don't really do a lot of business on social media. My wife's always like, you should do more business and you should da 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 da. And I, I'm like, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that, that need a good word, that need to hear. And there's a lot of good words that I get every morning, like when I read and when I'm like thinking and praying and all that. And I know that's not just for me. And yeah. so a lot of my, a lot of my stuff is, going to be super faith based and super all about that. But yeah, it's just D Sully five zero two seven five on Instagram and then on uh, Facebook. But yeah, I, I love sharing my life with people that want to learn and want to listen. And, and I love sh uh, being shared in someone else's life too. So of course, with that being said, guys, we'll talk to you guys on the next pod. Peace. Peace out. Bye.